podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a sample of Mena's Masterclass. Robert Craddock is one of Australia's finest and most respected sports journalists. He's a columnist for the News Corp papers, a panellist on Fox Sports show The Back Page, and appears regularly on radio and TV right around Australia. On a personal note, when this podcast joined the News Corp network, he was very supportive and made many fine contributions to this show. Enjoy this sample of my interview with Robert Craddock, and the full interview is available on our Patreon page, and the links to subscribe are available in the episode notes. Enjoy. Crash, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm uh, very well, man. It's an honour to be a part of your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know you spend a lot of your time writing about other people's stories. And, well, you know, I actually want to talk about your story this time because, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm an unabashed Crash fan. I've always loved the way you cover the game. And, you know, you've just got you, – you've not just got, a, obviously, a knack for a story, but you just bring such a sort of, you know, a lens that the common person can look at, you know, various sports through. Oh, thanks, Manners. Look, um, I do my best uh, within modest limitations, but, uh, you know, I think one of the keys that I, I was told as a young guy was never get too complex. And the more complex a story, the simpler you write it. Like, convert everything into layman's language. Don't use a word that, where you make sounds like you're trying to impress people. Just connect with the common man. So you, you try. Sometimes it... It, uh, it doesn't work, but it's, uh, it's a, a, an interesting beast, the media. It's changing all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm obviously a massive cricket fan, and that's my sort of one um, passion. But you seem to have a, a, a passion for all sports. I mean, I hear you on the back page and on, on the radio with Jared Waitley. You can talk about any sports. Are you just a, a no, sports lover? You watch them all? Yeah, because I enjoy the people as much as the sport. You know, and I, I just always find that no matter what sport you go to, it's the humanity that gets me in. You know, I, I still love Yvonne Goulagong's French Open victory 50 years ago. I mean, reading about her story as a young Indigenous sports person coming through, you can imagine what white Australia would have been when she won the French Open and, and the sort of barriers she overcome. So, you know, there, there's so many great stories out there that are just not cricket. I love the bushfires that burn in rugby league, the humanity, the passion. I mean, blokes wanting to argue with each other every week, but it's sort of fun. And, and <laughs> rugby league I like because it's rough and raw and real, but people care about it, and that's the big thing. Uh, you know, it seems, though, that cricket, uh, unlike the fragmentation of, you know, the, the different football codes, when a cricket story hits, it does seem to light up the nation like no other sport. It's, it's sort of the only sport that really unites us. 
Oh, it, that's a really good point, man. Is when the ball tampering scandal broke, I, I realised how big cricket really is. Like on the metrics of stories, um, two and a half thousand hits is a pass mark for a story in our system. And some of the guys were doing stories on the ball tampering that were getting 160,000. I mean, that is huge. I mean, people were having insatiable appetite. And as big as all the football sports are, a huge cricket story, I think, beats a lot of them. Like ball tampering was in, off the charts with, with interest. And um, because we're all cricket fans at heart in Australia. So I know the, the Australian... Uh, the newspaper, which covers uh, the entire uh, nation, of course, they constantly have a, uh, an inward private debate. What should we lead the back page on? Should we go off AFL and, and, and alienate the league fans or vice versa in winter? But they love summer because everyone loves cricket. So they just go bang, bang, bang. And also, one last thing about cricket. I love how the beauty of cricket writing shines through on big stories reading the ball tampering with uh, Gideon Hay, Pete Lawler, Greg Baum, uh, Ben Horn, and, and people like that, John Perrick, Andrew Wu, they all, there's a lovely flavour to their writing. It, it's, uh, it's quite something. Yeah, Crasher, I want to just ask you a little bit about how you, you got into media. Um, you know, what sort of influence did your parents have on, on you as a youngster? What did they do? Well, Man, is they, uh, it, what, I pretty much found it myself. They bought me a book called Slasher Opens Up, which was the life story of a cricketer called Ken Mackay, who's a test player and an all-rounder from Australia. And I loved it. It was written by a Corey Mull journalist called Frank O'Callaghan, and I read it about 20 times. <laughs> and it imbued me a love of cricket. And then at age 12, I made a trip, a school trip, a school excursion to this paper where I'm sitting down now, the Courier Mail, and they went dark room and they developed photos in front of me and there was a photo developed of a footballer called Jerry Fitzpatrick from Valleys and they said if anyone can identify this player you can keep the photo and I said that's Jerry Fitzpatrick and they gave it to me and I loved it and 30 years later when I worked for the paper I came back and I went to the photo files to Jerry's file and there was the other copy <laughs> that wow. was developed that day. And so I just looked at it and I thought, oh, I so remember that. In the, in the milky pond where photos were developed and they'd come to life before your eyes, I remember Jerry appearing. And so I had, from the time I visited this paper as a 12-year-old, I just thought, wow, this is, uh, you know, I, I love the vibe of this newspaper. It's great. You know, and I love sports. So it was a nice fit. Yeah, what do you think it was that attracted you? Was it the the, the magic of um, the media? Was it, you know, was it just the love? Do you love, have you always loved telling stories? What, what was it, do you think, that twigged at that 12-year-old? I think it was um, two things, just a real deep-seated love of all sports, particularly cricket. But this, the written word has always enchanted me. I can remember that I could rattle off who the Courier Mail journalists were. Peter Blucher, AFL, Jeff Orr, the fishing writer, even read his column because I thought anything that was sport I had to read, even if it was fishing. Even today, Manners, when we have work experience kids here, I always like saying, um, oh, by the way, uh, if you want to get into sport, who's your favourite sports journalist? 
And if they can't name someone, it's a real setback, I have to say. It's a little private rating system I've got. If they say, oh, I really love Gideon Haig or I really love Jim Tucker or someone, that's great. Love it. And the more obscure, the better. But if they can't name someone, I think, well, really, that's like a racing rider saying, uh, who's your, which is your favourite Melbourne Cup winner? Oh, I haven't really got one. Come on. If you're imbued in the sport, you're imbued in the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're only going to make it in media if you really immerse yourself. But um, and what about your parents? Uh, well, yeah, they must be must have been really proud of the way you've you know built this sort of very successful career. Yeah, uh, Dad's uh, was a dentist and a sports fan. He bowled leg spin, and his love of leg spin was passed on to me. But I left them when I was 17 and went up to do journalism, studied in Toowoomba, and. Uh, I think I've lived the life that my dad probably wanted to lead because, you know, he was a country dentist who worked so hard and did a, did a great job for the whole family. But his love of sports certainly flowed through to me. He loved it from top to bottom. Yeah. Who were your childhood heroes growing up sports-wise? You know, who was Little Crash following? I love, because I was an asthmatic, I went to the Gabba one day and watched Rodney Hogg bowl in a test where... He put his hands on his hips after bowling a couple of overs and wheezed like an asthmatic. Now, I thought, wow, this guy's an asthmatic and he's a test bowler. I, I like, And I just, he was my first sort of hero. I just thought, gee, if you can be an asthmatic and you can bowl for your country, how good is that? That, that proved to me that you can still have a normal sporting life. And I, I thought he was fabulous. I, I really did. And... You know, some, sometimes your heroes aren't necessarily the big names. Sam Trimble, the old Queensland opening batsman. I always listened to, to Rod Tiley or whoever it was on the radio, ABC, and he'd give the updated scores. And Queensland, uh, six for 95 at the Gabba. And Sam Trimble, who opened the innings, is not out 47. Honestly, the amount of times I heard that. <laughs> it, when Queensland had nothing, they had Sammy Trimble. So... Yeah, he was uh, he was quite something. You know, I've heard you talk about that you um, started touring around this t- time Shane Warne started touring. So that would have been was that the tour to Sri Lanka in what ninety two or before yeah, that? Yeah, no, uh, to New Zealand and England in nineteen ninety three, and, and they were the uh, times manners where you didn't even have to ask permission to talk to someone. You lined up all your interviews yourself. I can still remember in England in ninety three. Shane Warne and Mark Taylor were rooming together. No, so it was New Zealand. Shane Warne and Mark Taylor. And I just went to his room, knocked on his door, said, can I have an interview? He said, yeah, come on in. And uh, he talked about how he was using the flipper and it's a secret weapon and it'll be the secret weapon to the palms. And Tubby was laughing on the other bed. He was saying, oh, gee, Warne, you, you, you are a true speed bowler, aren't you? Talking up the mystery course. <laughs> but, but that was life in the early 90s. You just rock up to a player's room and... Uh, Knock, 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 or ring him in his room. Hey, you going, mate? Yeah, what's happening? And uh, it was beautiful and informal. Uh, I-, I loved it. I um, had a little bit of a window into that era because Ian McDonald, the former media manager and team manager, is a was a close family friend, and he sadly passed away last year. So you would have dealt with Macca a lot, but uh, it was rough and raw. It was, you know, there was the coach, there was Macca and that was it, the players. And, you know, you you go to a pub and you'd see everybody be together kind of oh. on tour. Well, this is what had happened, all right? The 
day's play would finish. You'd go back, you'd stay at the team hotel, you'd go back to the team hotel, you'd follow your story, and you'd always have two beers in the bar. Probably not, not more than that. And the players would be back there having two beers in the bar after the day's play. So quite often you'd be ordering a beer and someone like Darren Lehman would walk past say, did you catch that today? I said, oh, mate, I just thought it got it under my fingers, yeah, but hey, what about Sansa? Didn't he go, well, wow. And so it was very, very natural. Relationships grew, you know, and you learnt from the players. They, they, you know, you had really good, smooth relationships. Sure, there were blow-ups occasionally, but uh, and then the players would go out to dinner. You know, players like Jeff Marsh and David Boone, they used to sit with Alan Border and have a couple of beers before and after dinner. It was just part of who they were, part of their, their ability to, to relax. So uh, it was, yeah, it was, was, was so much fun. And there was, Ian McDonald was an interesting guy because he was their long-term team manager. And um, Neil Harvey used to bag Alan Border all the time. And Ian McDonald loved Neil Harvey. He thought he was great. But he hated the criticism for Border. And I could still hear him saying, oh, you know what, mate, Harbs has gone off again. Now, I like Harbs. I really do. But, gee, I tell you what, I wish he could put a sock in it. Fair dinkum. I mean, he's had a go at AB. But next time he saw Neil Harvey, I'm actually thinking, oh, I love Harbs. <laughs> <laughs> so he was tugged in different directions. Well, if you want to hear the full interview with Robert Craddock and also interviews with Shane Watson, Lisa Stalaker and Greg Chappell, head to our Patreon page. The links are in the episode notes. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.